live from the heart of Los Angeles, the at-home edition of the Life Changes Show. Look at the bright lights, look at the bright lights, we'll be swimming when we die. Look at the night sky, look at the night sky, where the stars have always shine. I am so looking forward to this show today. I am so grateful uh, to our guest for uh, being of the consciousness that he is, writing the book that he wrote, and inspiring me in a previous conversation we had to share something I don't know if I've ever shared with anybody, much less our our radio audience. And 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 that is to say that and, and probably never thought to share because it embarrassed me for 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 decades. Uh, well, maybe not decades, but a long time. It was a long time in a child's life to go to school every day with a paper bag uh, that had been recycled. And within the paper bag was a sandwich that was in a recycled plastic bag. And so I was I was uncool as it was uh, uh, just just because I was considered uncool. But those two things would have made me the poster child for uncoolness back in the day. And my parents used to say, there's no shame in what you're doing. Uh, yes, they were saving money, but they also felt that this was what they needed to do to help save the planet because they thought as a community, as a as a civilization, we were being too wasteful. Uh, and and uh, if there was any shame in 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 what uh, if there's any shame to put on anybody, it wouldn't have been my parents. That certainly wouldn't have been me. It might have been on something else. Um or on, on other groups, um, but we're not going to, down the shame road. But another thing my dad used to say in the same vein is he'd say, he'd say I hate this business is business phrase. What does that mean? And of course it was rhetorical because then he'd tell us what that means is that businesses can steal from people and steal from the planet. And the planet, uh, stealing from the planet also means stealing from, for generations to come, he would say, uh, and call it business. And it's not only applauded, it's rewarded and it's considered good business. And you kids, he'd say, look up to these people doing this kind of thing. So we weren't hearing it, at least I wasn't, because I was wanting to be a businessman and wanting to to be one of these people applauded. But as I look back uh, years later, I know my father was right and I didn't know what to do about it. And I believe our guest tonight has several solutions. So I can't wait to get into our conversation with our guest, Simon Mannering. And a little later on, music with our musical guest, Christian Shubin, all on the Life Changes Show online at Home Edition right after this. Have you felt inspired to meditate but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? 
Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, Five Beads. Transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All five beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like we see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Five beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi Meditation. Phi Meditation helps you harness the power of I Am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Phi Beads at PhiBeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, Beads.com. You are listening to The Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome, L.A., on the BBS Radio Network, with your host, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. You can hear tonight's show and all our past shows on our archive page at lifechangesshow.com, which include luminaries such as comedian Michael Collier, actress Gabriella Wright, performing artist James Hood, and author Ken Honda. Email your comments and questions to info at lifechangesnetwork.com, or AskDorothy at LifeChangesShow.com. You can also comment via Twitter at LifeChangesShow and Facebook at The Life Changes Show. Okay, I am Filippo online with our co-host and producer, Mark Lejour. I am so excited for tonight's conversation. You know, Filippo, we talk about this kind of thing a lot and how... I believe business is personal, and the minute you walk in the room, your heart's in the room. So uh, I can't wait to hear what Simon shares, and uh, it's something that this world needs right now. Indeed, indeed. He has a lot to share. He is the founder and CEO of We First. He is host of Lead with We podcast, and he is author of Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Lead with We. Welcome, Simon Mannering on The Life Changes Show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, uh, thank you. It, it's a pleasure, and and we know you're in Australia right now. Actually, you're you're usually all all over the place. When you go around talking to businesses, to groups, uh, are they receptive now to your message? And we're going to find out more about what that is. But when did they start being receptive? It's a great question, and I, I popped over to Australia because I hadn't seen my mum, who's based here in Sydney. So I sort of snuck in just before things got a bit serious in terms of restrictions again. So it's, it is great to be here. Um, normally I'm based in LA, but to your question, you know, it's very interesting. When I, I wrote my first book, We First, 10 years ago, it, I couldn't buy a lunch to talk to people about, you know, repurposing business at large and then their individual companies. And most people kind of ruffled my hair and said, isn't it cute that people like you exist? And then they'd sort of sh shuffle you on your way. It is extraordinary to see the change. I mean, the first chapter of my of my last book was The Future of Profit is Purpose. And here we are 10 years later, and we see that a large majority of, you know, a good majority of companies out there really leaning into be, doing less bad and, and arguably doing more good as well. And I think that's because the issues that we're solving for have got so present and visceral and visceral in our daily lives now that it's impossible for anyone to ignore. So I don't think we're anywhere near where we need to be. 
but you don't need to really work too hard to open up that conversation anymore. Mm, okay. Well, what what is that conversation or where? It, because it goes to the core of, well, business is business and uh, profit, profit and profit for the shareholders, right? It is that conversation, but I think I find it fascinating where we are in business right now because two powerful and opposing forces are meeting each other. And what I mean by that is since the 50s and Buckminster Fuller and you know, other visionary leaders, you know, we've really kicked the can down the road in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010, where it was someone else's problem or someone else is going to fix it or technology will come and fix it overnight. And, and by that, I mean the climate emergency, loss of biodiversity, ocean acidification, plastics in our lives, chemical in the soil, carbon in the air, social inequities. It would just take care of itself. But, you know, when you're running towards a burning building, at some point, you've got to pick up a bucket and throw on some water. And we're now at that point. And so when you talked about business as business, that expression of self-interest, which is to do well at the cost of others and the planet, has now run headlong into, wait a second, that way of doing business is costing us things that are far more valuable than money, including our future. And so I find it so fascinating because you're, if you're in a leadership position as a solopreneur or the CEO of a global corporation, you're really at odds between these two saying, well, I want to improve my bottom line, but I also want to make sure that, you know, we can survive um, as, you know, as business at large and as a company. And all of that sort of tension, that dissonance is shaking out right now. You mentioned solopreneur and and potentially even uh, small business owners. It it seems like it's harder for them. Uh, they they might think, well, I'm only one person, or we're a small business, so we don't have that large of an impact. And it, it can be more costly for them to think along the terms of what I think you're going to be suggesting. Yes and no. I mean, if you're a large company, especially a long-term legacy brand that's been around for a hundred years. You've got so much time and brand equity and money and employees invested in old behaviors and mindsets. And I can't tell you in our work at WeFirst with a bunch of you know large companies that people know, it's really hard to turn that ship around because you know, you've got distressed assets, you've got a supply chain, you've got a re-engineer, you've got a lot of things that you have to steer simultaneously. If you're a young company, you're more like a speedboat rather than the sort of battleship and you can maneuver and be much more agile and you don't have that baggage at the same time. I think the the, the limitation you're speaking to is a self-imposed one in that many young companies think they can't aspire in transformative ways because they're not big. They don't have the deep pockets. They don't have the resources. But I would suggest from direct experience of working with so many startups, the absolute opposite is true which is there is no limitation on the breadth of your ambition. If you look at impossible foods, and sure, they were private equity backed and so on, but coming out of the gate, their ambition was really to, was mission earth. I mean, you could Mm. not get larger than that. And the power of a higher order aspiration, if you're a younger company, is it gives you license to leverage shared values and a common purpose and partnerships and collaboration out of the gate So it's not you trying to build your business and scale your impact, but rather you charting a course that others want to be a part of. And in so doing, they'll build your business with you. 
I like it. I like it. Well, before we go further into the book, you mentioned the word young and it brought me to young entrepreneurs. And uh, how are are younger people responding more to this line of thinking? They are, but it's a sort of double-edged sword too, because I mean, I've got a 22 and a 19-year-old daughter and you know, on one hand, they say they're concerned whether they should have kids because they don't want to bring a child into what looks like an imminent future. At the same time, they are so values-based driven. They look at, mm. at life through the lens of, hey, we've inherited a mess. And since we've been kids, all we've heard about is all these challenges we face. So they're less attached to material things. They outright reject a lot of the motives that got us into this mess. And they're looking to leverage business not as a way to make money and then do good, but to do good outright and then hopefully make money on the way. And it, that that shift in priority makes all the difference. Hmm. So you're doing a lot of re, like recalibrating, <laughs> redefining, yeah. rewriting. Uh, so where where does where does the conversation start usually? It does, do people call you in? Do they hear you speak, see the book? Because the book being a bestseller, somebody, a lot of people are buying it and presumably people in business. Yeah, it's been wonderful to launch the book a couple of weeks ago and get such a strong response. And I think that's partly because of our heightened awareness of the urgency around these issues. We've just had all the climate reports from the United Nations. You had COP26 and, you know, you can't escape it. It's in on our phones and computers every day and all the headlines, the urgency with which we've got to rethink and re-engineer what we're doing. But where you start is actually with what people are willing to listen to. You cannot preach at people. You cannot mm. tell them to change. Mm. Instead, you need to look at the bottom line benefits for a new way of looking at business. And what do I mean? Increasingly, people want to invest in, buy from, or work for companies doing good because of the reasons I mentioned, in which case it's going to affect your reputation if you're part of the problem rather than part of the solution. It's going to affect your ability to attract and keep talent that makes your company possible. It's going to affect your relevance and resonance with all stakeholders moving forward if the products you take to market and the innovation you inspire doesn't solve for these issues that are compromising our daily lives. And it's going to absolutely diminish your ability to compete in the marketplace if you're not speaking directly to what people care about, especially young people who have the highest proportion of disposable income, that consumer spending dollar that people want. And so rather than this false separation between profit and purpose, we find ourselves, oddly enough, in this fortunate position where the purpose of your business and how effectively you're solving for many issues is actually a profit driver in the sense of reputation enhancement, culture building, attracting talent, product innovation, and really your marketing and the impact work you do. And so you've really got to start with you know, what they're willing to listen to, which is what's going to drive their relevance and growth moving forward and then upgrade their understanding that, wait a second, you can actually solve for these issues by the type of company you run, the products you take to market, and the role you play in the world. And so you can get you know, the best of both worlds. 
So obviously we'd like to see this kind of rethinking within all industries. Uh, are there any industries that are leading or lagging or still not getting it? Well, you know, I'm the biggest cynic amongst us and it's, it's understandable that people would go, yeah, we understand this intellectually, but we haven't been able to do it before. So why the hell is it going to happen now? Mm. And I'll give you a few reasons. The first is, the stakes are high enough in that we are facing literally an existential crisis as a species, you know, code red for humanity, according to the UN, Boris Johnson, the UK prime minister saying we are literally digging our own graves. You know, we are paying attention and COVID has, you know, accelerated that. Secondly, we've got all the stakeholders at the table. For a long time, we used to talk about the idea of offering an alternative engine to capitalism. And we had leaders and suppliers and employees and customers and consumers and partners wanting that, but we didn't have the money at the table. We, you've mm. got to follow the money. And now we have the investor class with their focus on ESG investments, environmental, social and governance investments. So you've got the stakes and you've got the stakeholders, but most importantly, you've got the story as well. I mean, to oversimplify in the 80s, 90s, greed is good, profit for profit's sake. But now from heads of state, from business leaders all around the world, we're hearing about the need to re-engineer capitalism to make our future viable. So you have the stakes, stakeholders and story together for the first time, which makes it possible in a way that really wasn't realistic before. And in terms of what industries are leading the way, they're, typically they're those that are at the coalface of consumer engagement. So think about clean beauty and all the brands falling over themselves, taking chemicals out of their products, mm. plastic out of their packaging. Look at clean food and, you know, farm to table. And, you know, you go into any one of these grocery stores now and everyone's screaming from the shelves as to their credentials in terms of your health and well-being. Look at uh, sustainable apparel and every brand, not just outdoor apparel brands, but everyone talking about how they're re-engineering their supply chain and you know where they're sourcing their materials and dyes and so on. But also look at the most intractable industry in the US, the auto industry. I mean, I wrote my first book at the time when you know Elon Musk was launching Tesla and the industry, the legacy industry in the US, absolutely tried to shut him down on no uncertain terms. And here we are just 10 years later, and every single major automaker in the world has made a commitment to transi transition fully to alternative energy vehicles. Within 10 years, arguably the most competitive and ingrained industry has absolutely transformed. And so you're seeing it in the B2C world, but you're also seeing it in the B2B world because ultimately all companies are in the human being business. And those human beings realize we're in trouble and they want to support, enable, invest in companies that are going to actually, you know, create a better future for everyone. It sounds empowering, too. It is. I mean, here's the funny old thing about this process. You know, I don't think we're learning something new. I think we're remembering what we forgot, mm -hmm. which, which is that we are all connected chemically hardwired to each other as human beings, as one human family. And anyone who has a family or a brother, sister, uncle, brother, sister, whatever it might be, has that visceral experience. At the same time, it's undeniable that we are not only dependent, but profoundly connected to the natural world, whether it's the ocean for you going to the mountains, whether it's just escaping to, you know, re remote areas. And even more so during COVID, we've all kind of had to restore ourselves by getting into nature. And when we all feel anxious or fearful, we kind of need to get out into nature. 
And when you realize that, you know, as you mentioned, brands can't survive in societies that fail, and that's a subset of an ecosystem, a natural ecosystem that's failing, suddenly we realize we're burning down our own house. Mm. And so I think we are waking up to what is more innate and true of our nature and our relationship to the world around us. And we're moving away from the distortion that we created over the last 50 years. I want to make sure, Simon, that we give credit where credit is due. Yes, I did mention that phrase, but it, I was it was in a previous conversation and not on air. So I said right. to, to, to everybody that I watched a video that we actually have posted on our page uh, for Simon uh, Mannering on our uh, lifechangesshow.com. And uh, within 30 seconds, he said something that it just really struck me like, ah, it's going to work because Simon said... Ah, you like I like that. Simon said brands go. can't survive in societies that fail. Brilliant. Well, I think you know part of the the challenge for all of us now is to just see what we're actually looking at. And I think a lot of us are looking at an alarming reality not only present today especially after COVID, but hurtling back towards us from the future to the present where these issues are compounding and accelerating. And the reality from our experience at WeFirst is that there is a hockey stick of expectation hurtling towards business. And very soon this luxury of how far and how fast we change is going to be ripped out of our hands because the effects of what we've been doing up till now are going to be so dramatic in our lives. I mean, look at us, the way we've all lived during COVID. Look at the way extreme weather has put Greece on fire, fires in Australia, fires in California, floods in Western Europe. Look at the way it's created global gridlock in our supply chain, not only because of COVID, but because of you know the way that our treatment of the planet and the knock-on effect of COVID has compromised the way things have always been done in terms of moving goods and services around the world. And this is only going to accelerate. Unfortunately, you know, coming out of COP26, we heard that you know, the human race as it is, is on track to be responsible for a 2.4 Celsius uh, degree, you know, Celsius degree rise in temperature globally, which is going to be, in the words of the UN and, and heads of state, catastrophic for humanity. Now, I don't know how desensitized we can become to headlines like that, but I do know that when it's direct and visceral in our daily lives, it is hard to ignore. And the way that you're hearing heads of state, the Larry Fink, the you know CEO of the largest money management firm in the world, Black, BlackRock, the CEOs of the Business Roundtable, the CEOs of B Corps around the world. I mean, there is such a rising chorus, you know, of voices all calling for change. I think we are at a moment where we are close enough to the the, the house on fire that we all need to grab a bucket. And I actually, I don't feel pessimistic about this at all. I have never been more optimistic about the role of business and the transformative impact it can have. In fact, I don't believe this is the end of something. I think this is the beginning of a transformative and miraculous rebirth of business in which we are going to start to serve the natural world rather than steal from it. And when we start to do that, we are going to be absolutely dazzled by its innate regenerative capacity that we saw at the beginning of COVID where ecosystems and habitats would restore themselves. And we are going to fall in love with the natural world all over again. And we are going to increasingly 
align around market forces that reward companies that nurture nature, and those market forces will direct more capital that way. And we are going to look back in 10 years' time and say, oh, my God, what the hell were we doing? Because we can thrive when we actually serve the natural world that in turn enables our future. And we are at the sort of apex of that course correction right now, and it looks difficult, it's painful, but we are going to get there. And on the other side of this is an absolute renaissance for business. Simon, if I were listening to this uh, on another show or on this one in archive, I think I would rewind it and listen to you say exactly that again. I'm, what a great visualization also. Uh, maybe maybe we should make a visualization <laughs> of that. Well, you know, like any birth, it's a, it's a painful process, and um, I think it will take time to shake out. And I think the um, – but when you look at – the coalitions and partnerships of companies and 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 sectors and and you know policymakers and advocacy groups that are rallying and working together in unprecedented ways with very deep resources and they're not actually making as much noise about themselves in a self-serving way that they might because they're doing it for the right reason but whether it's the 1 trillion tree initiative or whether it's the you know the coalitions that came out of COP26 or whether it's you know inspiring companies like small companies like Bolt Threads that has made EcoSilk by decoding the DNA of spiderwebs and, you know, synthesizing an equivalent that's now being used in threads with Stella McCartney to make a 100% biodegradable tennis dress, or whether it's a company called Air Protein, which is taking the fundamental components out of the air, carbon and its elements, and synthesizing proteins that are then making plant-based alternatives to proteins like chicken and beef and so on to, yes, address the hunger issue, but also diminish, you know, the carbon that's going into the air from industrial farming and so on. I mean, if you actually really focus on the positive and see the absolutely revolutionary um, IP and, and innovations that are being driven by these needs, it's easy to get very excited and to realize that those companies that are on the right side of history are going to blow up and be so extraordinary. And the more they do, the more it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy for business to think and act this way, and it will build and gain that momentum. But we're right at that course correction right, right now, and it's just hard to get up into the air, to get off the ground, but it's building every single day. What does a leader in this industry look like to you? In you know, in in any industry with this consciousness? I'm going to say two things. Um, I don't know if they're provocative or not, but as a dad of two daughters, I think they are more often than not a a a women a women's leader because I think Women's leadership has certain innate attributes we need more of today than ever, not just because of the disproportion, but because of the unique skills and emotional you know, intelligence they bring to leadership. I think, mm. it is, I think it is people of color who have been vastly underrepresented and undersupported from a capital and so many other points of view. And the diversity of thinking that that enables is absolutely critical to our future. But I think the common denominator is a leader who recognizes that they can't sit on the sidelines anymore. That who, who recognizes that every one of these challenges we face is a marketplace opportunity in disguise. 
And it is somebody who is hell-bent on making a difference, not only individually, but collectively, because we need to accelerate and scale our response to the challenges we face to meet these contracting timelines that we're working against in sufficient time. We are not moving far enough or fast enough to do what we need to do in the next decade, which many commentators have said is the most critical decade in terms of the role of business and innovation in human history because of what's coming our way. And so that's what I wrote about in Lead With We. I sat there for the last three or four years, having spent 10 years doing this work with Tom's and Timberland and so many other large companies that have really played an active, impactful role and said, what is wrong with this picture? What are we missing? And that's what the focus of the book is about. Yep. And the book is, as Simon said, Lead With We, The Business Revolution That Will Save Our Future. It's already a New York Times bestseller. It's available where books are sold. You can go to leadwithwe.com, leadwithwe.com. The book is available there and so much more information about Simon and the work that he does. Uh, You can follow him as well through his social media links. We're going to be talking a little bit more with Simon. And when we come back, Simon, I'm wondering if we could talk about some practical steps. We've looked at it big picture and philosophically. Uh, You've mentioned some practical steps that some companies are taking uh, that that are phenomenal. But when we come back, something uh, uh, a good place to start, whether that's with our thinking or our employees, et cetera. And then uh, and, and potentially with that, what as a consumer, we can start to do as well uh, when it comes to buying and and uh, uh, voting with our dollars, so to speak. And and also in our next segment, we're going to have our Ask Dorothy segment. And after that, we're going to be joined by our musical guest, uh, uh, Christian, um, uh, Christian Shubin. Uh, all on the Life Changes show at Home Edition right after this. Want to connect with amazing people who are committed to making a difference? From the Heart Tribe is a platform, community, and movement with the purpose of bringing like-minded humans together to help animals and the environment in order to gain a stronger connection and understanding of the world around us. They're dedicated to effectuating positive change by empowering individuals to organize meaningful and engaging experiences that build compassion for animals and the natural environment. Their founders' and members' passion is to inspire others to actively get involved in their homes, their communities, and the world to raise awareness about the issues we face and, most of all, to be part of the solution. Through their efforts, they have also accomplished some amazing and tangible achievements. Their Pickup for Paradise beach cleanups have collected over 50,000 pieces of foreign debris. And also, thanks to animal rescue and recovery volunteers, over 30% of the volunteers have become vegan or reduced their meat intake. Daily habits make a big difference. Please join any of their upcoming events by going to FTHT.org and signing up for their newsletter. You can also follow on Instagram and Facebook at From the Heart Tribe. You are listening to The Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome, L.A., on the BBS Radio Network with our host, Filippo Voltaggio. You can hear tonight's show and all our past shows, which include influencers such as author Ariel Ford, business luminary Nolan Bushnell, and actress Dee Wallace on our archive page at lifechangesshow.com. Please send any comments or questions to info at lifechangesnetwork.com or via Twitter 
at Life Changes Show and Facebook at The Life Changes Show. The Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and the little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author Filippo Voltaggio, who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. You are listening to the Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome LA, with your host, Filippo Volfaggio. You can visit us online at lifechangesshow.com, via Twitter Life Changes Show and Facebook at the Life Changes Show. Are back. We have founder and CEO of We First, host of Lead with We podcast, and author of Wall Street Journal best-selling book Lead with We: The Business Revolution That Will Save Our Future. He is a Simon. Mannering and of his book is said that this is more than a disruptive new mindset. It is an entirely new leadership paradigm that will inspire, educate, and equip us to realize a more responsible, sustainable, and equitable way of doing business. So, where do we start? Start, Simon. Right, and you know. It- the book lays out a step-by-step plan for how you can apply it to your business. So know that it's a blueprint that everyone can follow. And all the work that we've done over the last 10 years that we first is put in there so you don't have to think it through yourself. But I say that as context only for what I'm going to step through very quickly now. And I'm going to telescope through three different levels because you mentioned before the break, you know, what is this new way of thinking? How do you apply it to your company and how do you apply it to, to you as a consumer? So I'll start at a broader level. The, the, the nexus of the book is really this idea of shifting from a virtuous cycle to a virtuous spiral. What do I mean? The virtuous cycle is a longstanding idea around doing well by doing good. Now, what's wrong with that? Nothing except that we're not getting far enough fast enough. And if you think about the business landscape globally, it's like a night sky. Most companies are in that black space looking after themselves, taking care of often at, often at the cost of, them, of people on the planet. I mean, that's the reality. The vast majority of business hasn't changed. But within that night sky, you've got these points of light, these stars, this growing number of purposeful companies. But the challenge is those companies that are doing well by doing good are not leveraging the synergies and not compounding the impact of the connective tissue between them. And so we're not competing with past practices. And so I wanted to really elevate our thinking by moving from this idea of doing well by doing good to a virtuous spiral. And imagine in your mind's eye that you've got an arrow going from pointing upwards. And at the bottom, you've got me. And at the top, you've got we. 
and you're shifting from the priority of really just taking care of yourself to taking care of the needs of the collective. Why? Because if the whole is falling apart, the parts can't thrive. We've got to shore up the, the living systems, the natural systems, and the social systems that make business possible. Then around that arrow pointed upwards from me to we is a virtuous spiral, a helix getting ever wider as we go up. And up that helix are several levels. How you show up as an individual, that's me. Then you as a leader inside your company, no matter what your job title is. Then there is the culture inside the company. Then there is the community that you nurture as a brand out there in the world with your customers. Then there's the societal level, which is really the larger social issues we're all dealing with. And then above and beyond that is what I call the transcendent level, where there is harmony restored between humanity and the natural world. So it's about telescoping up from the virtuous cycle, up this spiral, through all those different levels. Why? To compound and synergize the individual efforts of all of these different companies. With that as context, where do you start? You might be a solopreneur sitting at your kitchen table. You might be a, a high growth company with 40 employees. You may be one of the largest legacy brands in the world. Here are some simple steps you've got to take. The first is you've got to choose to lead. And that sounds almost insultingly trite, but the vast majority of us don't. We either defer to somebody else, we say it's not our job, we think it's too hard, someone else will fix it, but we have to choose to lead. And then we have to say, okay, if we're going to do that, step two is we're gonna do a sober audit of our own company and say, how responsible truly is our supply chain? And not just the, the suppliers we know, but the tier two, tier three, four, five suppliers that supply the suppliers. Like, how much bad are we doing upstream in our company? Mm. And then look, at, then look at your culture. Look at the way your onboarding practices. Look at your diversity and inclusion. You may be diverse, but are you truly inclusive? Look at your pay scales and how you reward employees. Then look at the products you're taking to market and the innovations you're nurturing. And then look at to what degree you're actually serving the communities that make your business possible. And there's a lot of detail to each one of those, but it's all laid out programmatically in the book. But to choose to lead, step one. Secondly, do a sober audit of your own company through the entire value chain, from all the way where you source your materials down to the community impact you work you do even after you've taken your products to market. Then number three, you actually have to define your purpose if you haven't done so already. And by that, I mean, you have to define why you exist as a company. What is your role in the world? And to do that, you have to ask yourself, <coughs> excuse me, some very important questions. One of which is, what is your enemy? What do you exist to solve for? What is that thing that gets you out of bed in the morning that compels you to do what you do? And for me, that was the me first mentality that led us to the global economic meltdown in 2007, 2008. And I thought, if that's my enemy, what is the solution? And that led to we first and so on. And I just leave that as a, by way of an example. So what is your enemy? Secondly, what are you the only of? And thirdly, when you're at your best, what are you doing? When you answer those three questions and more that mm. are laid out in the book, you start to see yourself outside yourself because it's hard to read the label from inside the jar. And so that's defining your purpose. So do an audit, choose to lead, do an audit, define your purpose, and then apply that throughout your company and really re-engineer what you're doing, your sphere of influence in, in alignment with that purpose. And then finally, 
the last thing you need to do is make sure that you, as the book says, lead with we. And what does that mean? It means you lead with the widest number of collaborators that you can. So look to partners within your industry, even competitors, look across sector, look to nonprofits so that all of you can accelerate and scale your impact and serve what the highest we, which is you know the collective, humanity, society, your community, the area in which you operate, so you can have the positive effect on the largest number of people. So do the audit, you know, choose to lead, do the audit, define your purpose, apply it inside your company, and then look to the greatest number of people you can work with, the we, in service of the, the largest number of people, you know, the we. And then if you're a consumer, because we all wear very, very different hats as, you know, stakeholders in society, here are several things you can do. Instead of being hopeless about your future, recognize that every single decision you make is a vote for our future. It's a chip you're wagering on our future. Mm. The diet you eat, you know, to whatever degree you feel comfortable being plant-based, the car you drive, where you bank your money and where that money is used and what companies it enables behind the scenes, what companies you invest in, in the stock market or Robin Hood or in your pension fund. Every single time you make a conscious choice, you can feel a little bit better that you're not only doing less bad, but you're actually becoming part of the solution. And so, you know, (laughs) it's a long answer, but I will say this. We are facing a point of intolerance where our lives are going to be so compromised that we are going to feel compelled to show up differently like we did in March last year when COVID took the world by storm. And whether we like it or not, we're going to have to change what we're doing. But the sooner more of us individually and then therefore collectively change, the sooner we can build momentum around the market forces and also the impact of those market forces so that we'll course correct what is, you know, a future that looks severely compromised right now. So if I I ask you to take away anything, think about expanding your thinking from the virtuous cycle to the virtuous spiral to really do that self audit and pull your purpose through your company and don't limit your aperture to, you know, your own intimate stakeholders, your suppliers, you know, your customers, but rather be expansive about it in service of the largest we. And then as a consumer, consciously, tangibly tell yourself every time you make a decision from the shopping aisle to whether you're investing your money, what future do you want to vote for? And when we all do that together, it's shocking how quickly things can start to turn around. Wow. That was a great answer. Uh, Thank you so much. No, not not long at all. Just it perfect, perfect. And uh, obviously, you go into more detail and ask more questions and ask of of the reader more questions in the book. And once again, the book is "Lead with We: The Business Revolution That Will Save Our Future." It's available where books are sold, and you can learn more about our guest. Simon Mannering at leadwithwe.com. What a pleasure, Simon. It feels like this is the first of many conversations and I'm, uh, or the second really, but um, uh, looking forward to many more and uh, much success to you because it would mean, will mean much success for us all. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I do want to say that I have been incredibly inspired by, you know, people like you, Filippo, and the work you're doing and the community you speak to. And everyone should know that you are not alone, both in terms of your 
fear or anxiety about the future, but also your willingness to do something about it. There is an absolute army, a legion of entrepreneurs rallying right now to make a difference. And I deeply, profoundly believe there is nothing we can't achieve when we do it together. But we need to kind of reweave that social fabric between us because we've, we've got unnecessarily divisive and we need to restore the natural world that makes our own well-being possible. And the more we do that, the more we'll experience the rewards of it. And I think we will look back in 10 years and say this was a necessary and painful transition, but we will be beside ourselves with excitement about the possibilities we're opening up for ourselves, especially when we take better care of each other and our planet. So don't be discouraged. This is, this is our time to show up and to go like hell. Nice. Nice. Thank you for that. Simon Mannering, what a pleasure. All the best to you. Thank you again. Thanks so much for having me. And with that, we have our Ask Dorothy segment. Dear Dorothy, this is Christy from Lake Elizabeth, California. As you know, my husband and I have some beautiful property here with lots of amazing animals and plants. My challenge is that my husband's niece loves this place, but doesn't really like my husband or me. She's coming by for a short hour and a half visit on her way back to L.A., and I'm so disturbed by this idea that I cannot sleep. My anxiety level is through the roof. My husband will not be here as he has a doctor's appointment, and I just want to scream. She's coming whether I like it or not because she says she needs to be in nature before returning to Los Angeles. My husband sees no problem because she is not a bad person and isn't here to see us, just wants to enjoy our wonderful land. Please help. Dear Christy, I've noticed that this anxiety issue arises for you quite often. Even though it appears to you that the niece is causing the anxiety, let's find a way for you to remember that you, as the divine child of God, are the power in your world. Let's remember that you can choose to become selectively impervious at any time to anyone's energy. I feel that it is vitally important for you to remember that anxiety does not work for you or for any of us. This visit could be a great opportunity for you to choose a more loving way for you to deal with things that you would rather not be involved in. Instead of staying awake and in fear, you can choose to visualize the visit by your husband's niece as a pleasant encounter and see her enjoying the land and the animals and her being extremely grateful for the opportunity to experience the sacred place you have co-created with your husband. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to shift your energy and your focus from anxiety to love. Love is always the answer. And once you release the anxiety, you can co-create a pleasant short visit from this woman and know that you have assisted her in many wonderful ways by allowing her visit to be pleasurable instead of painful. I trust that you will take your power back now and use this opportunity to remember that anxiety is a less than elegant choice and that choosing love is always the very best answer. Thank you, Dorothy. And if you have a question for Dorothy, please write her at AskDorothy at LifeChangesShow.com. And we'll be right back with our musical guest, Christian Shubin, on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition right after this.
There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. They all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening, someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. Life Changes Show is a premier radio show presented by the Life Changes Network, which is a company whose team has dedicated their lives not only to positive change, but to helping others observe and embrace, honor, and even celebrate their own changes, thus enabling a more positive, inspired life and helping to create a more positive and inspired world. From everyday people, celebrities, corporate giants, and children, we are here to help and to serve with heart, integrity, and experience we bring our message and positive intent into your lives through the Life Changes Show, LifeChangesNetwork.com, and through guest appearances on other inspiring shows and events. If you wish to learn more about Life Changes Life Coaching, a private consultation with one of us, corporate or live event appearances, or if you would like us to appear on your radio or TV shows, please email us at info at LifeChangesNetwork.com. We are back, and our musical guest is a singer, songwriter, and lead singer of Poseidon Collective. Welcome, Christian Shubin, to the Life Changes Show. Hey, Filippo, thanks for having me. Christian, it's great to have you, and I can't wait to dig into your music, but I couldn't help but think about you in terms of business. You're a business owner, first and foremost, right? Uh, yeah, I know. I just listened to uh, Simon there, and it was actually speaking right to my heart as a small business owner, the challenges of trying to do better on a daily basis. And uh, yeah, it was a nice challenge to hear that. And, uh, yeah. and especially with your business where you're a, a surf shop and, and, and you're a surfer yourself. So kind of the philosophy about surfing and taking care of the water, right? Yeah, I have a deep connection with the ocean and, you know, I'm in it as much as I can. And uh, yeah, it's easy for people to take for granted what the ocean provides for us as, you know, the amount of water and what it provides to our environment. And uh, I mean, it provides us surfers like in amazing waves and experiences, but all the life forms in it and how it just balances the whole earth out, you know, with all that energy of the water. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I have a deep respect for it and uh, yeah, trying to do both. Yeah, and and uh, before we we move on uh, from the business subject into your music, I just have to say, can we give a shout out to your mom and give us a little history of why you even opened the shop, just real quickly? Yeah, so uh, my mom Deanne Shubin, she grew up in uh, Malibu Canyon in the '50s, surfing Surfrider Beach in Malibu. So she um, she grew up surfing there and was kind of one of the first women to be accepted in the lineup there at Malibu. And then she went on to, you know, have four of us kids here in Malibu and took us all surfing 
and uh, she's this inspiration to us. My brother and I started the surf shop Poseidon years ago, and it was kind of a uh, in honor of her, and uh, she was really our inspiration for that. Now, then we got to surf with her, luckily, in the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s, and she's 83 now. She doesn't surf anymore, but I feel like she's always in the water with us. Uh, nice, nice. Well, and, and and this is relevant too because you started the surf shop, and then and then that's where you started inviting people to come play, including yourself, in the store. Yeah, I had a background uh, playing like bass guitar in bands, like you know, in college and even before college, and had a ton of fun doing that. And then kind of took a little bit of a hiatus from music and really put into the shop uh, about 10 or 11 years ago and I started having some live music events and I started playing a little bit more guitar and singing and um, so I was kind of opening for some of the acts we had and then started playing more with friends and so now I have Poseidon Collective which is like a loose gathering of different people that kind of come in, out, in and out of the band and uh, have a great time and yeah play locally um, super fun so well uh, yeah. Speaking of super, super fun, let's uh, let's hear a song. What are we going to get to hear first? Uh, this one's called Love and Sorrow. It's an old song. I kind of I don't have a ton of originals lately. I've been doing a lot of kind of fun, obscure covers like for Poseidon Collective. So this is a great challenge to kind of go back to some songs I written a long time ago and uh, kind of revise them. So uh, this one's called Love and Sorrow. All right. Well, excellent. Okay, so yeah. here's Christian gonna... Shubin singing Love and Sorrow. All right, so we get on the sound there. All right. She said, Life is filled with love and sorrow. Two odd ships which I love living for. She said, Life is with love and sorrow to our chips which I love living for I said fear the love down to my bones fear the love down to my bones fear the love down to my bones to my bones to my bones I said if he Fear the love down to my bones. 
Feel the love down to my bones, to my bones, to my bones. I said, if he is a good man, love him with your heart and soul. I said, if he is a good man, love him with your heart and soul. I said, Feel the sorrow again. Feel the sorrow again. Feel the sorrow again and again and again. Boom boom da me da paru pa pa pe pa pa boom pa pa pe pa pa boom pa pa pe da paru. Nice. Alrighty. Nice. Christian Shubin, thank you so much. That that that's fun. What's the because you you've done reggae. I mean, like you've done so many different kinds. Is, is ska right? Uh, yeah, that's kind of like. I mean, that song is kind of like got a kind of rhythm to it mm-hmm. but uh it's kind of got like sadder lyrics to it kind of a darker feel to it but uh um yeah it's kind of mixed in i really love like the rhythms of like reggae and ska like those are really fun to play for me yeah. with guitar and i used to play bass and it was really fun playing bass with you know like a drummer playing reggae so that was always a pleasure yeah. to do sure the beat underneath all of that so christian's shop is in santa monica people can come and are you doing concerts nowadays or, 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 or you know or yeah during covid it was, during covid it was a little challenging to do yeah. in, indoor events um we just did a little thing last uh, on the saturday for um from the heart tribe actually we did there's a beach cleanup that they did at santa yeah. monica pier then we did a little after party in our parking lot and uh, we played some live music. There was some. We had some puppy adoption and kitten adoption, and uh, so that was actually really fun. So we're starting to get back into it, and um, I think this next year we'll see a lot more uh, events coming out of Poseidon. But yeah, we're right next to Santa Monica Pier in Santa Monica. We have parking behind our shop, and uh, we specialize in surfboards, paddleboards, a little bit of everything. We do a ton of lessons, rentals. We make custom boards. It's pretty fun. I have a feeling you'll be maybe doing like classes on helping the young surfers uh, keep it keep it clean and all of that stuff because yep. <laughs> you're so into this. So PoseidonStandUp.com is your website, right? And yep. Poseidon is P-O-S-E-I-D-O-N standup, and then uh, I'm assuming that's like stand up on on the surfboard, right? Yeah, stand on the surfboard, stand up paddle boards, surfboards, oh, okay. yeah, both of those. Yeah. All right, cool. And then you could find uh, Christian and his music also on uh, Instagram at Poseidon Collective. So uh, on Instagram and actually on Facebook as well, Poseidon Collective. Yeah. So yep. uh, Christian, we're going to get to hear one more. What did you pick? Yeah, so this is another kind of older song I wrote, kind of a long, I'll try to make a long story short, but I, I took some William Blake, the poet William Blake's lyrics a long time ago, and I wrote a song, it's like some music to it, and then I kind of liked how this the sounded, so then I took that song and I changed the lyrics actually today, and I kind of made it kind of themed on what we were talking about today, so uh, this is almost a brand new song. Okay, so, well... Uh, 
Uh, okay, well then, here's a brand new, I guess nobody's heard this then, right? No, no, I don't think my, I think my girlfriend heard it about 50 times in the last couple hours. <laughs> and what's it called again? This one, um, you know, I don't have a name for this. I it's think so I was new. calling it <clears throat> Tiger, I think it's called the Tiger Tiger or something like that. Tiger, so, uh, yeah. Tiger, 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 Tiger right. it is. Well, here's a brand new song uh, premiering live on the Live Changes show with Christian Shubin. Thanks, Filippo. Maybe it should be a little harder to eat 
the creature, then the dollar number. Give us one more chance so we can get it right. Turn you to my brother. Give us one more chance we can get it right. Love one another. Give us one more chance you can get it right. My brother. Give us one more chance to get it right. Love one another. Christian Shubin, you know your your new new song says a lot a lot. So oh, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, actually, I, I I look forward to hearing that with a full band. I, I I could hear you all do a lot with that that nice. that, <laughs> that little ditty of, the, of yours. <laughs> and and, and uh, we we never do this, but I I just got to share. So Deja from New York has. Uh, connected with us already wanting to know where oh when you're playing next because she love love loves the music so oh. uh, so when are you playing at the shop you know there? we're probably going to be playing at uh the penmar which is in uh venice it's like an outdoor venue at the uh, penmar golf course uh when they reopen and i don't know when that's going to reopen they're they're doing a little renovation there but other than that we'll probably do a winter kind of daytime concert like on a saturday at poseidon but i don't have any dates yet so if you so follow poseidon collective i'll be posting uh, yeah next time for that we also uh, want to give a shout out to colin martin who uh, uh we connected with you christian and and the, your old team out there and uh sparrow and from the heart tribe and uh, so many great events that uh, you guys are all supporting yep definitely colin's uh we've been having so much fun playing with him and he's an amazing sax player songwriter and i was thought he might have been able to join me tonight but uh i know he's been playing a lot but um yeah and sparrow is a beautiful person that's really been uh a good friend over the years and um really helped out a lot i know for the uh, from the heart tribe and everything but uh yeah that was yeah. really fun Th thank you mark for uh, chiming in on that uh agreed very much and so uh follow christian on instagram at poseidon collective P-O-S-E-I-D-O-N Collective. Uh, Poseidon Paddle and Surf is where he's going to be playing and where I'm sure he'll tell you all you want to know about uh, paddle boards, surfboards, and, and safety and all that along with his team. And then PoseidonStandup.com. What a pleasure, Christian. I look forward to meeting you in person someday uh, and, and hearing you live. In the meantime, thank you so much for being on the show with us. All right. Thanks, Filippo and Mark. It's a pleasure. Yeah, and all the best to you. And speaking of shout outs, we're going to uh, we want to say thank you to Tess Cacciatore for introducing us to our guest, Simon Mannering. And with that, that is our show. So on behalf of our executive producer, Dorothy Lee Donahue and our producer and co-host, Mark Leisure, I am your host, Filippo Voltaggia, reminding you that as your life changes and your vibrations raise, as ours surely did tonight, we're here with you. Ciao, everyone. You have been listening to The Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time and visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com, on Facebook at The Life Changes Show, and on Twitter at Life Changes Show. 
Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes.